0: From New York City, the world-famous comedy seller presents Live from America Podcast. from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hattam Gabber. Live from America Podcast. Where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues. As they cover news, culture, Politics, comedy, and more with an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Dorman.
1: Hello, and welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem, and I know already that this is going to be a great episode. Alongside me, the one and only Noam Dorman. Hello. hello. Hello, hello, hello. How's your week? My week? Yeah
2: uh it was it was uh i I don't know they they they
1: they seem to all blend together i think this was an okay one this was a pretty good week yeah oh there you go all right two of my favorites right here comedian christiana jackson is back hello hey how are you and one of my favorites same birthday month an amazing friend and uh such a great guest every time we have them uh MSNBC legal analyst and good friend Danny Savalas is here. Woohoo!
0: Thank you. And I, I have to say, I haven't been on in some time. I wonder if I've even been on in a uh, a post Trump era. Although I imagine I must have been on at least a couple times. But uh, uh, it is great to be back on the show. It's been a while, so I'm glad to see you all.
1: Thank you. You were awesome, and he had such uh, an amazing talk. Uh, that seller talk thing. Uh, it was it was amazing. Uh, So it was great to see you. You were like so natural on the stage. It's crazy. Atem, I got to tell you something. I could probably live on that
0: compliment uh, for the rest of my life because, you know, I, as you probably know, or if I've revealed, I am such a fan of comedy and I'm such a fan of the seller and the institution that it is that to even get up on that stage, I kind of had to uh, really forget uh, where I was or I probably would have freaked out. Thank goodness Uh, someone was kind enough to get me a nice, uh, uh, drink of vodka, nice and some club soda before I went up just to take the edge (laughs) off because I would have absolutely panicked if I'd let the, the, uh, weight of the moment crash down on me. Now for you folks, for Christiana and of course for Noam and you Hatem, I mean, that's home. You guys are up on stage all the time, but that was really a heady moment. Thank you.
1: I'm only on the stage when I clean it, but yeah, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but you know you know we used to have that joke all the time we used to have flowers on the stage at the comedy cellar so whenever there's a new waitress and the the, the show is full before we start we tell her hey we forgot to put the flowers can you put the flowers on she walk in the stage she start walking we'll all start clapping so the people start clapping she freeze you know it's, so, <laughs> it's such an intimidating thing to do and they just like cry and it's just like it's so hard i actually you know it's funny, like, Noam is a musician. You're, like, in TV all the time. Christiana actually is a comedian, so she doesn't have that stage fighting. But, you know, you're on TV all the time, Danny. Like, But it's still the different, huh? Can oh, I, I get terrible something?
2: stage fright. I get terrible. Sorry, go So on, do
1: I. Yeah, I mean, actually, it, I was, that's
0: what I was going to say, Noam, is that uh, the fact – it's weird. The fact that I go sit in a room often either alone or with one other person and have a two-minute conversation on the air – does not really translate automatically to standing up in real life in front of a real crowd that is there to be entertained. It is nothing like that. And Don't get me wrong. When I first started doing TV, I was a sweaty, terrified mess. But I guess it's like anything else in that enough repetition. And by the way, I mean, if I have any religion in this life, I believe in repetition. And I believe that through repetition answers come and uh, and uh that's one of those things where when I first did TV I thought I'll never ever be good at this and now I've been doing it for a long time and the only reason I've had any success
1: is I've just done it 10 trillion times and that's it and, yeah. and you know what's funny I'm, I'm still trying to get like Norm to host that show and I think he could do a great talk he could do a great be a great host and he doesn't you know which is crazy to me because he he's smart is funny and he's a musician he's always on the stage yet he doesn't want to do it so maybe we'll get him drunk one day
2: i'm not even though
1: i find myself in front of audiences
2: a lot i'm not um compelled psychologically as a performer i get a lot of pleasure out of playing the music and i get uh, pleasure out of talking about things whatever it is but i don't have the need it's it's not the audience that um attracts me so uh you know it's like comedians it's it's the opposite they they're, they're dying to be in front of an audience <laughs> like they got to get some some excuse to be in front of an audience um, <laughs> they're not, a lot of them are not even that funny to, to be honest a lot of the comedians are not particularly funny people i mean they they, they manage to to through trial and error you know cobble together five ten fifteen minutes but offstage, they're not the funniest guys in the oh, world, true. but they are dying to be on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: No, that's very, uh, very true. I would I think for me, the thing about being on stage is it's the only time that I can be myself at 100 percent and everyone just has to deal with it. So yeah. when I'm off stage, I feel like I'm always have to adjust and adapt and, you know, temper my personality and not talk about, you know, my amazing uh Travels and sex life, and then it's like now finally I can let everyone know I'm, I have a dope life, you know. So, yeah. so I guess for me it's it's the opposite in that sense where I'm like, yeah, let's go.
0: Is there yeah. any anxiety at this point, Christiana, or is that gone? Is it something else? Is it more like I'm working that kind of thing? I mean, what's it, the adrenaline I'm, level at this point?
3: uh it depends on the show. I mean, it does feel like like I'm a, I'm nine years in, so it does. It, I take it as a job. I've always taken it seriously as a job, which I think um you know is is important in comedy it's not just goofing off like there should be a level of professionalism but then it does i think there's certain shows obviously if it's a show that's like packed then it's like all right let's go you know let's let's like make sure we're in the right headspace. we've eaten enough we're listening to good music before i go up but it's not as much anxiety i mean i would that's actually what i'm my new goal is to like let's get some shows that make me nervous beforehand now it just feels kind of like like you were talking about routine. It's very, very important. Um, I mean, literally and metaphorically, like it, it, it does help to get it. You're like, okay, cool. It's like, it's like with an athlete having um, muscle memory. That's what I think happens with stand up where you just kind of get, you, you're trying to be present, but at the same time, if there's a night where you're tired or, you know, something terrible is happening in the world and you still have to perform. That's where you can fall back on that muscle memory and that routine of like, all right, just like put yourself in that state, perform, and then deal with life.
0: I've heard so many comedians refer to it uh, or re- uh, compare it to going to the gym, that if you don't yeah. go enough, you start losing it very quickly. Is that your experience?
3: Uh, I think. Yeah, I think it also depends on what type of comedian you are, too. Like mom like was saying, a lot of people aren't funny off, off stage. A lot of people only stick to their can only stick to their set. I'm someone who does crowd work as well as my material. So if anything starts going left, I'm able to shift and adapt. Um, but at the same time, you, you might feel a little, oh, it's been a couple days, but, um, I'm at a, make sure that I not. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: A quality over quantity. Huh?
3: Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, and like, I
1: think we discussed that before. A lot of times, like, you know, comedy has become, like, like Norm said, a lot of people are funny, a lot of people are not. And it becomes a routine. You can write 10 minutes and stick it for the rest of your life and it kind of be good. But just to give Danny one more credit, he did that talk last minute. If you remember, we only rehearsed once and you had the six, the January 6th hearing and he came straight from CNN. Yes. Right in. And, uh, you know, so, so. Come um, on, let's get to it. Let's get anyway, to it. Anyway, so, oh, yeah. The <laughs> seller was in TMZ this week. What's going on, <laughs> Norm? Oh. oh, let's talk about Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, uh, Chris Redd uh, was uh punched by somebody in front of the comedy cellar. It was terrible. He's uh, I, I, I heard I hear that he's okay, but I he had stitches. Um, oh, and uh, you know, I, I don't know anything that the general public doesn't know. Um, it, it, so I have, I have no inside information to, I'm not, I'm not keeping my cars
1: my vest i really don't know anything right right i don't know who attacks people these days, especially with all the cameras and all that you have in tape i'm sure we had a video apparently
2: i didn't see it but uh Liz saw it. our manager uh and I, the police have it they i've read that he was dressed as a security guard whatever that means i didn't even get the details um he punched him and ran off as far as i know and um I don't know. It could, it could be anything. It could be, you know, somebody's a beef with him. It could be just, I mean, every day somebody's punched on the street. We've had staff members punched on the street. I don't even know that it wasn't just a street crime. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. Attacking comedians, but now off the stage too. But it's well, funny I mean, how, I,
2: like, I, this whole narrative of saying, you know, Chris Rock got punched at the Oscars. No, yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't believe uh, there's a narrative there about comedians. Uh, certainly Chris Rock being smacked by Will Smith is not in the category of Chris Red being punched on McDougal Street by whoever punched him. Yeah. The, no, but, it seems
1: very personal. From but
2: violence in general in society and in the streets of New York does feel like it's becoming more common, right?
0: Are we returning to the New York of the 1980s, Norm?
2: Well, um, or the 90s. I mean, I don't think we are. I don't think we are, but um I think the people who think that we couldn't are naive, but hopefully we will intervene before it gets to that. You know, I, I feel like there's enough memory of enough people in New York already that it seems like they're reacting a little bit more quickly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I don't think so. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. I think that this particular uptick in crime, unfortunately, is going to hit minority neighborhoods m- much more like a laser beam than it was in the '90s. For the reason that you and I were speaking about before, which is people don't carry cash anymore.
3: Mm.
2: It's not like there's a, a, you know, great targets walking down the street, street in New York. I feel like that uh, crime is going to, if it gets out of control again, is going to be a lot more violent and grudges and gangs and drugs. And it will be in in neighborhoods where this stuff is going on with a lot more innocent victims of color. And uh, I don't think, you know, the Upper West Side of Manhattan is going to have muggings like it did when I was a kid. Right. I just don't think. And also the cameras everywhere. I just, I just don't think it's exactly the same. Going into rob a gas station is not as tempting it was. Taxis don't carry uh, cash like they used to. It's just... Different time. So. Yeah. And I
0: th- I think to your point, I think for that reason, I think you're going to see an uptick in crime by perpetrated by the mentally ill because you have to be someone who does not care about getting caught because there is a certainty now that there wasn't in the 1980s or the 1990s that thou shalt be caught, especially if you're committing a subway crime. They can track you uh, yeah. by camera. No matter where you get off, say you want to Oh, say you're on the A train and you figure, oh, well, they won't catch me. I'll get off at Rockaway, which for folks listening, that's about as far out of Manhattan as you can get on the A train. (laughs) And uh, and they're still going to get you because they'll just watch the camera until they see the guy in the yellow jacket or whoever you are. So I do think there's going to be an uptick in people who don't care about consequences because you just you're going to get caught if you do something. And, you know, I also think if you think of this like a, uh, uh, you know, a. the last battleground, the the place where the flag should be planted, in my view, is the subway system. You can't lose the subways; they're just too important. They make New York so wonderful. I lived in Philly for a long time. Terrible subway system. I think that alone has held Philly back. New York has the greatest subway system in the world, and if you lose that battlefront, then I think you know, and not to be too dramatic, but you could lose New York again, like it was in the you know. And, and to point for
2: the. Well, let me just comment because two things that, that that brings to mind. First of all, on the subways, I agree with you, and it's a there's an extra layer that that they want also want to introduce congestion pricing into Manhattan, uh, you know, to charge drivers a lot of money. Yeah, to, you know, to try to push them into the subways. And there's something very distasteful to me that the, the, the government will start pushing people. Some of them women, some of them elderly, like SD, you know, eighty. Years, into a subway while at the same time not finding a way to keep those
0: subways absolutely safe. Outrageous. It really is. You know, it's easy. It's funny you say that, Noam, is that um, I'm somebody that rides the subway in the daytime. If I want to get to 30 Rock to go to NBC, I live downtown. I don't really have a choice because folks who live in Manhattan know that if I get in a car, I need to be at 30 Rock by a particular time. And you just don't have that certainty getting into a, you know, they're nice enough to send me a car, but oftentimes I say, no, thanks. And I take the subway because it gives you certainty. Yeah. You might take a little longer, but you know, you're going to get there. And so, uh, but you know, it's what I find is that, you know, my wife, she's no shrinking violet, but she's done with the subway. She's done with taking our kids down there. That's no longer an option. Today. We had to go to Brooklyn for kids classes. That's a car trip. It's no longer a, a subway trip because she ain't going, and like I said, she's not. She's no um skittish person by any stretch. Her, she's you know, she had a career as an investigative reporter. She's got a, a a heart like a lion. So uh for her to be done with the subways really has has shaken me too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just to a point with the cameras. Not only the cameras of the of the streets and the police, but you know all the teenagers with the TikTok and and everybody with the social media. They just love. Like the the notice anything? They film it right away. They just want to be po- So you like a lot of crimes. I remember this crime that somebody was um, with a car, like hijack another car, and it was in TikTok before even the cameras in the police. But, uh, but the other thing is, I just as
2: a I I I really feel I've always felt this way that they they do not punish low level violent crime sufficiently. They they underrate the trauma and the fear and literally the lifelong scars that these type of things can leave on people, you know, they'll, they'll put a lot of stake into the, the, the dollar amount that was taken and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I had a, uh, I was a victim of kind of a violent crime one time in the underground where a guy just came up behind me and punched me in the head, big guy. Oh. Um, And I, and I was all right. But it stayed with me the rest of my. life. Mean, that was of course. It stayed with me the rest of my life. Ava, you know, Ava was uh, the shady guy. Her, her uh, head smashed into the pavement. My, fu- they these, um, the, the 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 uh It seems to me they let a lot of these, as I say, low level, and they're my low level violent criminals off on probation or whatever it is. I think it's a huge mistake. I, I think violent crime needs to be treated a thousand times more seriously than any dollar amount of crime. Anyway, absolutely,
1: you know, yeah. Go
3: ahead, i just wanted to say like in terms of the subways and you're talking about it being lost i feel like it's already gone really uh, just because i mean at night doing comedy we see the worst of the right. subways and the worst of the city and i do feel like it's start more things are happening it's starting to happen earlier in the day so i remember going to a show i think it was at like seven o'clock on a sunday and people were fighting and i and and honestly everyone was scared someone was gonna get there were two, there were like a group of people fighting, we couldn't see what was happening. But my first thought was like, someone might get shot, you know, like somebody might get stabbed. We don't know the level of of violence is gonna happen. And in terms of like fear and trauma, and then it was like, okay, now I gotta go tell some jokes. I'm used to I'm used to dealing with certain type of chaos and violence and awareness. At late, you know, if I'm doing a spot and I'm getting home at like one, two, three, anything past midnight, I'm like, okay, I understand that it's going to be kind of gross. It's going to be very sad and bleak, but, um, the incidents are definitely starting to happen earlier. And I think also for me, the, the marker of like, man, the city is going down is, uh, when people started smoking on the subway, that's when I was like, ooh, this does not feel good. This feels, grimy and like there's a sense of just society shifting to like not caring that made me a bit concerned um but yeah it's just getting just getting the
2: problem is uh danny might agree with me that both sides of the traditional crime debate are correct the people who complain about the cops are correct the people who complain about the criminals are correct the uh to, to uh to uh, counter what it is you're talking about, it requires really ramping up the number of interactions that the police have with criminals or, you know, people misbehaving. And a certain percentage of those interactions are going to turn bad. And a certain percentage of the cops are going to overreact or appear to have overreacted. And then there's stories. We need to have the cops stand down, blah, blah, blah. And and we see these outrages of the cops. They are outrages. And we say, well, we need to stop this. And then all of a sudden crime starts coming up and then the people complain about crime and and there is a constant trade-off it's not as if you're ever going to have police without abuse and it's not as if you're ever going to stop crime without having strong showing of police so we'll we'll be in this yin-yang pendulum back and forth battle i think forever hopefully each time when it swings towards the police they get a little bit better a little bit better but it's naive to think anybody with a with a with a with a, a uniform and a gun in his 20s is not going to with some regularity be an asshole and and be abusive to people you know that's just that's just we, the nature of policing in my
0: opinion we talk a lot about police citizen encounters at the end of the continuum like when somebody is killed by police or injured by police but far more interesting to me is the genesis of police citizen encounters and that's really where things like racism bias, all those kinds of things can creep in or sometimes good police work. And it all goes back yeah. to really the the Supreme Court case on that po- initial police citizen encounter. It's a case called Terry. I think it's 1961, but it it the standard is all police need is an articulable suspicion that criminal activity is afoot. Now they can stop you, you're not arrested, you're not even being detained. you're just being questioned. And in theory, In theory, the court views it as you can you're free to leave. You can walk away. That's how you know if you're detained. Practically speaking, when a police officer comes up and talks to you, you're not going to feel very free to leave. And so uh, but so much happens as a result of that initial encounter. And a lot of it is good police work. The initial the case that was Terry was, you know, police saw a guy acting suspicious, standing in front of, I think it was a jewelry store, uh, looking like he was about to break the glass. And they stop him and they found stuff for, I believe, and uh, law professors out there will kill me if I get this wrong, they actually found bad things on him. And so, but, but it's that initial encounter, the quantum of evidence required. And I file motions all the time to throw cases out saying that they didn't meet that quantum of evidence, but it's so subjective in every case. And in that moment is where things like racism could seep in. But sometimes it also is good police work, you know, knowing your neighborhood and and seeing that something fishy
1: is going on. Yeah. It's like the movie Minority Report, you're going to commit the crime. You haven't yet. Pre cogs. Okay, get to your list, Hatha. Come on. Hey, let's go. Uh, (laughs) Number one, Kanye West. Now, I swear I did not pick this one, but uh, I didn't write this one. But okay, so Kanye West, you know, anti Semitic, uh, you know, Obviously, he's being uh, dropped by a lot of, uh, you know, companies and stuff like that. But a lot of people are wondering, like, he had a, a history of making anti-black statement, yet that didn't happen. only happened with anti-Semitic uh, statements. Uh, so he, like, for example, he said that, you know, uh, slavery was a choice or uh, uh, racism was uh, a dated concept or the white life matter and all this and nothing happened. And when he said anti-Semitic, then he was dropped. Um, so, which part of the debate are you guys in? Let's go with Christiana first. <laughs> why, why is that? <laughs> because she didn't talk, she didn't talk before. Uh, uh, go ahead, sorry.
3: Oh man, messy. It's all very messy. Oh, why? Do you feel that way though? Um, I mean, this, all of it's very embarrassing and also very sad because obviously Kanye was was an icon for a lot of people. A lot of like, you know, he crossed barriers. I can speak personally he was an icon for me, like going in college and, you know, uh, so it's, it's always sad when you see someone that you supported and admire, uh, admired, like fall to grace. I do think he has a lot of mental health issues, but it's also like, you, you know, he's, he's also a rich dude. So it's like, I only have so much sympathy. Like it's, it's, it's very, very messy. Um, I'm, I mean, nobody cares. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, nobody cares if you, you know, diss the black community. That's just kind of status quo. So I, I, don't, I don't think like, I'm not like, why didn't this happen before? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course not. Um, I feel so deeply embarrassed and ashamed level that I haven't. Also, I just stopped really supporting Kanye a long time ago. I just so, thought it. I haven't, I haven't delved into the specifics of what he said, just because I'm like, Kanye is problematic. He's been problematic. Um, I'm not surprised that, you know, he's, he's getting support pulled and businesses pulled. Uh, to me, it's just kind of like, yeah, I've, I'm just kind of like, I'm trying to get my money. So I haven't really been like steeped into it. Also due to this point of a deep level of shame and embarrassment, because there are issues of uh, anti-Semitism in the black community. And it's embarrassing. And just like any community that's racist, you're in But Some people that aren't are just like, it's embarrassing. Like, ah, yeah, my people are kind of a little ignorant, a little. But do you up.
1: feel that it's, it was it was uh, when it was anti-black, nothing happened. And with the anti-Semitic, something well, yeah, happened. Yeah, but you know that's that just
3: that's just life.
1: OK. Well, like, okay. can I go or no? Go ahead. Yeah. So uh,
2: let's see. So first thing is, there's obviously more latitude that somebody who says something about their own group is always given. You know, if, yeah. I, if I say something about the Jews, I'm not going to be people are not going to come at me like they came at Kanye or like they would come at me if I went at said the same thing about black people. Number one, number two, what he was saying about black people, um, not that I'm defending it, was um uh, you know, kind of revisionist history about slavery. Essentially, he's saying, like, why did we, if, if we were slaves for 400 years, that meant that we were mentally imprisoned, that we, that, you know, how could we allow this to happen to us for such a long time? We must be, we, they must have imprisoned our minds as well. I, that's not racist talk to me. It may be ridiculous in a certain sense, but I don't think it's it's self-hating or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's not like going DEFCON 3 on the Jews, but, um, or DEFCON 4, what is it? I don't know, but anyway, but um, more importantly, I I I may I might get myself in trouble here. But I've I felt for a long time that one of the real problems with wokeness is that it's really uh, um, created the false impression that somehow white people are the group of people who are the people who talk bad about people based on the color of their skin and race, and people of color would never do such right. But in my everyday life, I mean the most the most anti-black. Experiences I know have come from other people of color, black people who don't. I mean, uh, Indian people don't want their daughter with this black yeah. guy. I mean, breakups like r- ridiculous things. And um, then uh, this uh, head of the Los Angeles City Council, Hispanic woman, oh, yeah. speaking to other people on. Let's just let's just underline it. This is the City Council of Los Angeles. Okay, this is not Arkansas, the most liberal place on earth just between each other assuming it's fine refer to a young black child as a monkey right like this is this is and and i've always suspected that this is what goes on and what kanye is saying i suspect is not the first time black people are hearing black people talk that way this is the way people of various people and white people well although i would say white people i don't hear white people talking that way because we're under a microscope right but this notion that this is not a human flaw. Racism is a human flaw. And if you don't have a broken window policy towards it, if you tell people, no, only white people can be racist, you you, always, you can only be the victim of racism. Yeah, you're gonna embolden them to talk in that way. And all of a sudden now we're, we're getting little glimpses of, again, prominent, important pockets of people of color speaking in a way that are shocking us, right? So now, having said all that, Kanye's kind of crazy. I'm not mad at him. I'm not even particularly sensitive to that kind of talk. And if I saw him, I
1: really wouldn't care. I just think that all these. I mean, I don't things... know if you know the extent of the story, but his album he wanted to call it Hitler. He was brazen I, I, Hitler. So. I, I,
2: I, it's so absurd. It doesn't bother me. But what I what I, I guess what I'm saying is that what I think the, the the important lesson of this is not Kanye. The important lesson of this is that. This kind of talk is rampant through human through the human race. And we shouldn't tolerate it from any group of people. Uh, I
3: agree with that. that
2: that's what I feel. And and if you catch, you know, what are the odds that there was a tape recorder? The only time the Los Angeles City Council people were talking racist about Jews and blacks. I mean, it's just they do it all the time, right? Yeah. And if they're doing it on the City Council, what are they doing at the hairdresser? Like this is a city council. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, Danny. Yeah.
2: I, I'll
0: say that, that Danny has I, to work.
2: I, Danny has to go work in MSNBC. He doesn't have to comment on this. Topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. Actually,
0: I have a lot of thoughts on, on say, this. And actually, I, I mean, like Christiana, I kind of checked out on Kanye a while ago. I stopped thinking of him as anybody who you know speaks with any kind of authority. And the best example, I had not heard that he was considering calling, uh, calling his next album Hitler. I mean, either that's crazy, album. or yeah. in a sense maybe he's just diabolically uh maybe it's diabolically brilliant because it really would if he did something that outrageous it would dominate the news for a period of time irrespective of the quality of the music uh on the album that is like
1: wow you know it's illegal I mean, it's to crazy. name somebody hitler
0: i didn't know it's not that illegal to call somebody. no it is in a, maybe not, maybe in, in
1: a, egypt no in the united states no then, they're in egypt they you can you can call
2: danny will you school him on the law I
0: don't. I'm not aware of any rule yep. that prohibits you being uh, naming someone. Anyway, you can name yourself. You know, Prince named himself a symbol. So I mean, <laughs> you, you can name yourself. You probably could name yourself a swastika if you wanted to. I, um, but
3: swastika is a name. I actually met a. But she was. It's you know, poor thing. Right. She's in. She was Indian. That's their word. I was like, oh, that's bad right. luck for you, lady. But her name was swastika. Finish your finish your comment, Dan. Then I have something to add. Go ahead. So, so my
0: thought is that it, I think. Where folks may be stumbling here is that they're using the choice of his corporate sponsors as a moral barometer, as if to say that the decisions of corporate sponsors to suddenly back out uh, in droves reflects society's view that somehow it's okay to talk about black people, but not okay to talk about uh, Jewish people. I think that is a huge mistake to assume that corporate corporations deciding to pull out of a sponsorship Uh, has anything to do with the collective morality of this country. The only thing they care about is being ultra cautious, managing their risk and avoiding uh, uh, avoiding any loss of profits. We may never know why uh, in their boardrooms they decided, oh, well, we didn't really pay attention to the the comments about African-Americans. But now that he mentions Jewish people, we are pulling out. I don't know, but really more likely. Is that the companies who had invested millions, maybe billions of dollars in Kanye West were probably holding out as long as they humanly could because they knew that extricating themselves from this Kanye relationship would be costly. It would invite litigation and they probably wanted to wait as long as they could to avoid those problems. But, you know, again, if you want to go back to square one, these were companies like Adidas who signed up with Kanye. They knew they weren't signing with Tom Brady. Uh, or some other boring, famous athlete, or Eli Manning, or someone who's never going to offend anybody, um, they knew they were signing up with Kanye, and Kanye's controversial, and they hopefully uh, were careful to, uh, to avoid, uh, to, to put pr- language in these agreements, which probably number in the hundreds
1: of pages, th- that have a morals clause that allow them to get out. And I'm just sharing a screen right now for the listeners that are not watching that i was right it is illegal to call someone in the united states adolf hitler wait a minute you're you're now, in fairness let me describe the exhibit the exhibit is from
0: you no but birth this is okay i can get you com. other exhibit if you I want i need a us code give me sure. a code and section please sir i can I, get you but i did research that before oh, I had that a baby. cannot
1: yeah but your research source is us birth certificate no but dot com. i i, can get I don't you know what the, that is i get you the legal one okay all right listen uh, uh, I want to
2: add one more thing about Kanye. You know, his anti, his his pro Trumpness has something I think to do with this because there have been a few people like Al Frank... I mean Al Frank, like Al, like Louis Farrakhan, and Al Sharpton, and Nick Cannon, and I, uh, you know, uh, uh, but uh, who um, have said, you know, similar things to what Kanye did. Uh, Ilhan Omar. And uh, they're still out there pretty uh, accepted and polite company. I think it was the one-two punch of being pro-Trump and saying these things. I I don't expect uh, any of the networks are cutting and running from Al Sharpton or Louis Farrakhan or Nick Cannon, or the, and the, Nick Cannon, to be fair, got in some trouble, or uh, um, Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib or whoever these, whatever they upset said about. The Jews. Um, so Kanye was already, you know, he he was already uh, quite unpopular. This was the death blow, I think. They really had enough of him. But I don't think a white person could say such things about black people and keep their corporate sponsorships. Roseanne lost. Rose Roseanne had the number one show in the country. Mill- I mean, talk about Adidas doesn't probably expect to sell that many fewer sneakers, but ABC knew they were giving away a huge moneymaker
0: when she tweeted out that thing about, uh, Valerie Jarrett. Let me ask the the it's comedians, fine. uh, Hotem and Christiana, is there an I'm unwritten not a rule in comedy that if you are making fun of your own people, that's a kind of, uh, uh, you know, self-effacing comedy. And, and is there a limited license to do that, but not to step outside of your own, uh, your own ethnicity, your own, uh, religion, anything like that?
3: Uh, I think that comedy's unwritten rule is that if it's funny enough, you can yep. let it slide. Um, I personally will do not try to offend mm-hmm. when I I talk about my own experiences. So that way it's 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 not just generalization. So I have a reference point. Um, and I also am not trying to, you know, like, hate monger. but lots of people say horrible things. Um, about people that aren't their own. I think, especially when you first start in comedy, that was the just getting used of. To... I'm talking about things that things are my observation, and then people just come in, hack it, and I mean, I I'm would look around the room at comics wearing three hoodies and not a jacket and be like I have the best credit in here. Um, yeah. so it's <laughs> so like mm, I'm a real estate broker. None of you have any money. You have no credit. Like what are you talking right. about? But um but no, I think that people just generally don't care if there's leeway if it's funny, but also it's America, you know, people can talk about whatever they want. It's yeah, yeah. I, I, I you definitely
2: you definitely have more latitude to go after all. If you listen to a gay comic, the stuff they they'll say about gayness yeah, it's it, it. No straight person could ever, ever use those voices, say, make those jokes.
1: No way, and it's fine because you know, it, 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 why can't you make fun of your own group? You know, I, I agree with them. If, if Kanye, when when he did that entire blog, because he is a black, so it's it's not the same. Uh, I, think- I, I um I remember David Tal's joke. You know, he likes to make fun of the Amish because they will never find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, let's move to the next one. Trump announced Florida rally with Rubio, but not DeSantis. But you, you skipped one on purpose? I'm not going in order. I'm going in order okay. that I like. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Trump, because we were just talking about Trump, too. So, he announced the rally to Mark Rubio, but not DeSantis. You know, do you think it's a sign that he's, um, he's in and it's a war with DeSantis? What do you guys think? Let's go with Danny first.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, DeSantis poses the greatest threat to a Trump 2024 run. I mean, keep in mind also, there is there are titters and I'm going to let me put an asterisk and a footnote next to this, uh, because I got to tell you, and this is no, I I am finished. Uh, I have had the uh, football pulled away from me too many times. I'm no longer going on air and saying things like the walls are closing in on Trump. (laughs) Uh, I stopped doing it about two years ago because. If the walls were still closing in, we'd be in a room that measures six inches by six inches. I mean, (laughs) I can't do this anymore, although now I find but I find myself doing it again because I have heard, I guess, for lack of a better better word, a vibe that that Merrick Garland may actually consider charging him after the midterms. But uh, after that, I'm really done. I know I sound like everybody on 90 Day Fiance who shouts, (laughs) I'm done, but I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So uh, but I mean, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, look, DeSantis poses a major threat to Trump. He's smart to distance himself sooner. And how ironic that he's on stage with Marco Rubio, who he torched when Marco Marco, Rubio made that last attempt to go Trump against Trump. And Trump eviscerated him on the debate stage when Marco Rubio did this Hail Mary, you know, no, tried to go no holds barred against Trump on the debate stage in 20, I don't know, 15 uh, 16 and uh, got eviscerated by trump uh, calling him little marco uh, it was over. A... which to me is even the more uh sh- I, that's even a bigger shock to me but maybe it shouldn't be yeah desantis is a major threat to trump he's the he's trump without all the baggage and honestly i think he's got a really good chance i think he's got a better chance than trump of securing the republican nomination at this point because he he speaks to people who would otherwise be voting for Trump if it wasn't for all the nonsense. I, I oh,
2: agree with I agree. everything Danny said. I think that, do you remember, by the way, does anybody remember who it was who really cut Mar- Marco Rubio off, off at the off at the knees on behalf of Trump? It was Chris Christie. Remember Chris Christie? Oh, there he goes again, repeating himself. And then, and, and Marco Rubio was like a deer in headlights and, and actually said the same thing again, like his rehearsed lines.
0: Right, he right. Like an idiot. Right.
2: Uh, um. I think that, I think, and I've thought this way, I'm sure you remember, I've thought this way for a long time already that Trump has no chance of getting the nomination. Um, and I think, I think DeSantis is very likely to get it. I, I can't picture Trump as the nominee. Um, and you're right, you know, he humiliated Ru- um, Rubio, and Rubio came back. He called Ted Cruz's wife ugly, and Ted Cruz sucked up to him. Amazing. I'll- Politics makes these people into nothing,
0: right? <laughs> well, you know, there was there was a really interesting editorial in The Wall Street Journal I, a few days ago, and I thought it was really it was by the editorial staff. I thought it was spot on. And it talked about how the Democrats have really made a mistake in that in, in reacting to Trumpism, they reacted by putting out, you know, very far left leaning candidates. And I guess one of the examples was was John Fetterman, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm familiar with John Fetterman. I'm a uh, Pennsylvanian for a long time. At least I was. And so he's been around for a while. Uh, but I mean, no one I don't think anyone really debates that he had a pretty poor showing at the debate recently. And a lot of it isn't isn't his fault because he's you know, recently had a stroke. But it's an example, at least according to the editorial that I read, that uh, Democrats have have uh, have shot themselves, I guess, in the figurative foot by putting up candidates that they're using to counter a Trump And in my mind, it's a Trump that may not even be a threat to them anymore. They should worry more about a DeSantis who I mean, yes, he's more. I don't want to say the middle. He's just less insane than Trump. He's all the things Trump Trumpers like without the shenanigans uh, of somebody who knows nothing about serving in office. Oh, that guy is not that guy is super smart. I mean, you, 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 you can disagree with
2: a conservative point of view. But DeSantis is a serious right. dude. He crunches numbers. He was doing his own research on COVID. I mean, this guy is, is, is no joke. Um, by the way, I think that this is the first time when we've actually seen what really looks like actual evidence of criminality on the part of Trump. So I would not be surprised at all to see him indicted. It's the first time I've ever felt like, oh yeah, it sounds like they have something on them, I mean, all the other times, like dude, talking about, like, oh, yeah, like, look oh, at it. I'm it's like real, oh, how it is,
0: yeah. Really, really, I agree with you there. No, in the past, starting in 2016, there was always a, a furor over Trump's going to be indicted, and then they would talk about the statute. Now, I'm a criminal defense attorney, some of the things they were. the the theories of liability, I had to go look up code books. I mean, you know, yes, I thought it was really bad for him that Michael Cohen in about 2016 or 17 rushed in to a federal courthouse here in Manhattan, pleaded guilty and implicated the president, basically said, I'm pleading guilty to something that the president told me to do before he was president. I thought that was really bad. But it was a charge for essentially a campaign finance violation which was so difficult to understand if you if you buy into the theory that paying a porn star money was somehow an illegal contribution to a campaign that was the problem with that statute is that i mean with that application or theory of liability is that i don't know that people could wrap their heads around it now i think it's a little more straightforward you have uh you have a, a taking of documents away from the white house but worse than that you have what appears to be a cover-up, and a clumsy cover-up. So the real question isn't whether or not the elements of the crime have been met. Merrick Garland has to take it a step further. It sounds like the elements of a crime have been met in terms of obstruction. But beyond that, Garland has to consider potential defenses and the additional question of whether or not it is harmful to the country to charge a former president. A lot of people say you shouldn't think about that. I think you absolutely have to think about that. And Merrick Garland will because he's an institutionalist. You know who won't care about that? Fulton County DA Fanny Willis. Uh state, local you. DAs, they don't care a whit about federalism. And in fact, in my view, I'm not saying this is Fannie Willis. I'm surprised more local prosecutors haven't tried their hand because hey, you get elected to a local prosecutor, why not become famous, right? Why not, why not charge the biggest defendant of all time, of all time? Who cares if you win or lose? Again, I'm not saying that's what Fannie Willis is doing, but it is why I think uh I don't necessarily think the Georgia investigation is the greatest evidence of a crime. But I do think it poses a very real threat in terms of indictment for Donald Trump. Not necessarily because of the criminality of it, but because of a local prosecutor has far less strictures in his or her way when it comes to charging a former president.
2: Uh, that, we we talked about it years ago. That porn star thing was so ridiculous to me. And aside from without even getting into the law, uh, outside of, uh, of charging him with a crime. Just to, for the listeners, if you were to follow that logic, what they were saying is that Trump was supposed to take money from his campaign and pay it to Stormy Daniels. That was the right way to do it. You collect money from these little old ladies for your presidential campaign. And then you That's
0: interesting. cut I love a it. check
2: for $200,000 to Stormy Daniels because you're a law-abiding candidate. I
0: hadn't thought of it that <laughs> way. Could you imagine
2: it. if he had done that? They'd be charging
1: with campaign finance. <laughs> and, and just to give no credit, he actually said that when that was going on, long time ago. I said it at the time. Yeah, like well, yeah.
2: I said if he if he had done what they say and written a check to Stormy Daniels, the same people saying he committed a crime then would be saying he committed a crime now. Saying you're not supposed to be paying yeah. your porn star mistress with campaign funds,
1: which which <laughs> that actually sounds more um, intuitive, right? But but, <laughs> so but the thing would, is, like I silly. agree with Danny. I think they, th- they should think twice before you know try to you know. But look, if if if, if if there's a if there is a truly serious
2: top secret document that could truly harm the United States without the technicality of how it's marked, but just like when people realize, oh shit, he, he took like the knock list, you know, and right, he, the knocklist, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and was careless with it. I think they will indict him. And I think people will suck it up. America will,
1: America will swallow that.
2: Uh, uh, but if, if, if they, they don't, they
1: it. always give him a momentum. Like every time they go for uh, after him and nothing happened, they give him a more momentum. I think Trump is going to run again. Here's a sign. If he gives DeSantis a nickname, then he's running. You know? <laughs> but before that... <laughs> okay, he's not, next, Elon he's Musk. not running yet. <laughs> Elon Musk. Uh, w- wait, Christiana, did you want to say thom- something oh, about sorry. that? I just so,
3: had a question because I do not... Um, I like to stay sane, so I don't steep myself in uh, politics a little too much Good choice. But do you think um, do you think at all it's an it's a trying to court the Latin vote? And, and that's why he's backing Rubio. I
0: think it's I think the Latin vote has become such an unpredictable. And I I happen to be Lat- Latino, but the, I'm not but speaking I don't on it. any on any way with any knowledge. But I think the Latino vote, in, especially in Florida, is so complicated because of yeah. Cuba and Castro that I don't know that you can put them in any bucket with any kind of predictability. I think they've you know, I think historically folks have mistakenly assumed they would all vote Democrat. And I mean, maybe I am drawing on my own personal experience, I, I, but I think the statistics have also shown that you can't count on them to always vote Democrat. In fact, some of them vote very conservatively. So oh, I, know. I, I don't know that you means, might like- be onto something.
3: Do you think that that's that is the uh, connection the nod there to to try to pull more, pull to pull the Latin vote more, more to the right by backing Marco Rubio? Yeah, I mean, it
0: might be, uh, you know, it's interesting. If you go back to the 2016 election, you had Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, you know, two Latinos who, you know, in theory, I mean, and the Latino vote, if they voted as a block would be so powerful. And I just don't know that they do. Uh, And that might be, you know, a little piece of evidence there that you had two Latin potential candidates for the Republican nomination and Trump, you know, cleaned up, mopped up the floor with both of them. Again, Trump is such an outlier that maybe that doesn't tell us anything. And maybe the lesson of 2016 is maybe data and statistics don't ever tell us anything anyway, anymore, ever again. So I don't know. I I think you could be onto something. But I, I, I think the one takeaway is that the Latino vote is really difficult to predict and you can't really count on them uh, I mean, by that, count on them to always vote one way or the other, because I don't think they do. And and, and also,
2: it's, it's always worth
0: mentioning that Trump is not all that conservative.
2: All right. When, no, I, when I was a kid, the conservatives wanted to get rid of Social Security, cut uh, government spending, you know, uh, uh, ridiculous tax policies, whatever it is. Trump, Trump, uh, well, he wants to control the border. This was not. I mean, they turned it into some far right wing policy, but that was never what struck me as a far right wing policy. Bob Woodward reported actually that Trump wanted to raise taxes on the very wealthy, Uh, Hmm. that they ended up not doing it because he was told it wasn't feasible with the Republican Party. But he's just not one of those guys. Um, His his a lot of his policies, when you take away the craziness, they come across as common sense to a lot of people, leaving aside abortion which obviously I don't think anybody's really believed Trump in his heart is really outraged by abortion, but of course not, but he did, did he did appoint those Supreme court justices. He, he did court the the religious right vote in that way, but on a lot of, on the other issues that are identified with Trump, he's not that conservative and, and, and nor will DeSantis be. That's why they call him a populist. Populist is different than, than far right. It is. (laughs) It
0: is. It is populism is not the same as far right. It's not reactionary. It's not necessarily even Tea Party. I mean, I guess maybe a little, but the, I mean, the Tea Party he... wanted to zero out
1: zero out the government. Trump right, sent the, to the roof. But yeah. that, well, he wanted that, to let, build let me a ask wall. You this. If Trump decides to to uh, to run, doesn't that you know cover uh, you know protect him from any charges might be coming?
0: Yes and no. So first of all, if he is charged, he can still run. Uh, there is no in fact, I believe that Andrew Jackson was either charged, he may have been convicted or he was a suspect, a suspect. I mean, he shot uh, he shot a man dead in a duel uh, and that cloud hung over him and the voters you know, elected him nonetheless uh, in spite of that. So there's no uh, bar to be having pending criminal charges and there's no bar to a felon, I don't believe, uh, running for office. The only thing that will. Uh, unpresident somebody is impeachment. And there's interesting case law that suggests that you can even impeach somebody when they're no longer in office. That was a hot topic during the second impeachment, which, again, surprised me. And again, impeachment law apparently is whatever you want it to be, because we've only impeached 20 people ever, uh, including most of them. Vast majority of them were federal judges. Yeah. Uh, only a couple have been presidents. So uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is uh, it, this is an area where if Trump runs he is insulated if he is elected,
1: because but even, con- but what I'm saying, even if he doesn't, if he just run, he can no. wor- work in a conspiracy theory. It's like, oh, look, now they're going to charge me. So I don't win. So no, you he- can
0: charge a candidate. You can charge a candidate. No problem. You just can't imprison the president because imprisoning him doesn't mean that the vice president takes over. In other words, if you were to charge and convict a sitting president of the United States, and he's sitting in prison, he still theoretically runs the government because you need to impeach him. Now, I imagine if that happened, you'd have a pretty good reason to impeach him very quickly and get the vice president on board. But understand that that's, that mechanically doesn't automatically happen. So the fascinating situation is uh, President Trump runs, he's indicted, he's charged, he's convicted. I, what if he's imprisoned and then elected? You know, What do you do then? I guess do you immediately impeach him? I, I It's a it's a fascinating area. And, and I bet smarter professors out there there than me have a hard answer to that question. But in a sense, it's all theoretical because it hasn't happened ever. Not going to happen.
2: Uh, no. Come on. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> he, we're running out of time. And this, this is a this this hot is issue. Howard, Howard Stern. Waiting for that. Right, so I
1: love this. <laughs> Elon Musk. First of all, do you think it's a good deal, bad deal? He he wants to have less restriction no permanent bans. He might bring Trump back, but he definitely said no permanent. nobody's going to be permanently banned from Twitter. Uh, Do you think we're going the right direction or wrong direction? Up or down? Who wants to go first?
0: I'll go first. I hate to be no fun, but I rather think that the only people left on Twitter are news people and the rest of it's kind of like a crazy Greyhound bus station. I mean, (laughs) I spend uh, spend it. I'll tell you, as journalists, they're the only people I feel like that are still on Twitter and You know, I'm a quasi journalist, so I do check it fairly often for breaking news. But I also find that, you know, it is just there's very little else of redeeming value there. If I want home comfort or, you know, good home cooking, I go to Instagram uh, and uh, I don't really use it for, for anything that much. And I'm surprised, by the way, talk to young folks. Nobody's on Twitter anymore. So I don't know. Is it the kind of thing that could still affect an election? Yes, probably because. You know, a lot of people who are on there are passionate and they're people who will get out and vote. But uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's certainly interesting in a way. You know, Elon has some Kanye elements to him and that he's being outrageous, I think. But uh, but, you know, does if Trump is back on Twitter, does it majorly affect things? I do think it does have a major impact just because that was an outlet. Yes, the, the, the news agencies are using truth social and reporting from that. But it just had such a splash when he would tweet. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know if you could ever catch capture that lightning in a bottle again, though. He was he was running rampant for years there. I don't know if it, people would be as interested second time around.
1: Christian, what do you think?
3: Um, I agree. I don't use Twitter. I, I know Thanks. I'm supposed to be using Twitter for my career, but like it just it does feel like a great I'm always like, what's going on on this? It's feels like a lot of rambling. I never I never like adapted to Twitter, so it doesn't really affect me personally. Even though I'm supposed to be. Like I guess it's journalists, comics, and then bus sound, Greyhound bus people on Twitter. (laughs) But um, so I'm so happy I
0: made you laugh.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's it's true. It does feel that way. But for me, I don't really care. I also just I don't. For me, it's more concerning. Like, how much do you get to do and run as a billionaire? It's kind of terrifying. It's like, oh, he's uh, putting rockets in the air and controlling free speech and I mean I, but personally I'm just like man okay whatever it's uh I'm more concerned about like um some of the brain stuff he wants to do
1: what about the man who never tweets no
3: well first of all
2: did you know that there was hardcore porn on Twitter yes that's the only that's the way I use it thank you I thought, <laughs> no it's, it's very true I ended up putting it like I, I searched on a random group of characters by accident, by accident. No, it really. Wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> and the most horrifying, hardcore porn. I said, what the fuck on Twitter? Yes. So, uh, so it's just interesting how times are changed that the big outrage is that somebody might tweet, you know, vaccine denial. But hardcore porn on Twitter isn't even controversial. There's no any
1: child can go to Twitter and and get porn anyway. I and think- also, we find in this podcast, Khomeini, Ayatollah Khomeini, was in Twitter while Trump was banned.
3: Yeah,
2: I I I, I in general, I am I lean towards the notion that Twitter was too heavy-handed and too uh, uh, driven by their particular agenda, whether they realized it or not, in the way they were banning people from Twitter. On the other hand, um, it, it's hard to to advocate that it should just be a free for all. On the other hand, maybe if it were just a free for all, um, people would develop strategies and, uh, and ways of, um, getting used to that and insulating it. Like I, porn has never come up on my feed. Yeah. So there is a Still way to have, day. have horrifying things, horrifying things on Twitter without it into intervening or in, interceding, you know, on and every Twitter user's life. So I, I don't know, but, um, But what's really interesting is what happened today when Elon Musk tweeted out today. Did you guys see this? He tweeted out this most rank conspiracy theory about Paul Pelosi attacker being Paul Pelosi's male prostitute lover. And Elon Musk tweets out uh, to Hillary, uh, there may be more to this than meets the eye. I mean, the most outrageous thing to tweet. And I'm just I'm just shocked that he would do such a thing. First of all, just for self-interested reasons, who is the who buys Teslas? Bunch of rich liberals, right? Like this is like really offending for no reason. This guy is is crazy. Um and uh, you know, I don't believe it's a pretty hard sell to me that Paul Pelosi is like a Jussie Smollett or something. I'm just I'm just not gonna show some evidence. That's-
0: <laughs> What a great analogy! No, Actually, I that's doubt that's the best
2: Jesse analogy more. I heard about this. <laughs> so, so I so for the first time, I'm not sure about Elon Musk. All of a sudden, that that just seemed like a ridiculously, uh uh you know, it's uh, what's the word, In- impertinent and you know, reckless thing to do. But are you worried? Worried? Why? Who cares? I'm worried about what? Twitter? I don't I care about it. Elon Musk being in charge of Twitter. Somebody well like to that. worry about that. I would have to think that Twitter is a vital right. thing. I mean, I don't, I don't, if Twitter, if Twitter becomes horrible, Twitter becomes great. This is not a major importance to the United States of America, in my opinion. Um, But I, I, I was more optimistic. I'm still optimistic. Actually. I think maybe he just, you know, oh. was trolling, but, I think it looks really bad what he did today. Now that he's in charge, it looked really, really bad to do that. But I still think Twitter will end up being better off with him in charge. But, you know, I'm not sure of that. I'm not it, sure of that.
0: I, you know, it, building on what Noam said, you know, it, I, I'm. if you haven't noticed, I am very suspect of anything corporate and morality together, because I don't know that there's a whole lot of morals there. It doesn't make them good or bad. They're just interested in profiting. But recall that when Twitter finally banned Trump, It was just as he was on the way out and the Biden administration was coming in. Twitter could have gotten rid of Trump back in 2016. And I submit to you, had they done that, he wouldn't have been elected. I think Trump was elected because he was on Twitter and he was doing things, you know, we forget now, but everything he did then was just no one had ever seen it before. It was crazy that he was saying these things on Twitter and it got him so much heat. And, you know, I was always very suspect. I understand it was after January 6th, but I thought that was very uh, convenient that with the new administration and a new FCC and a new, you know, any regulatory bodies that might be looking at Twitter that only at the very end of the Trump presidency, once the king is dead, long live the king, uh, would they get rid of Trump on Twitter. But I do agree with Noam that uh, that I I don't know that it matters what you say on Twitter. There are ins- there are insane things out there on Twitter. Uh, Christiana is, is somebody who would have her finger on the pulse of society. I think all comics do. I think that's part of what their job is to know what's going on. And she, like many other young people I know, just don't even uh, don't even deal with Twitter. I mean, they barely oh, are on it. They have other things to do.
3: Calling me young. I'm 41.
0: Oh, well, I'm, I'm still <laughs> quite have a bit older. It's
3: and I don't have a man driving me crazy. So I look a lot younger than I am. But uh, yeah, I I don't. Yeah. You know what? I will say this. I, don't, I just want to speak on something in terms of I do like the idea of being able to just do what you want, because I will say social media has been cracking down and and when and more and limiting more and the algorithm and all that stuff. Um, I had an Instagram post taken down from six years ago saying that I'm part of a criminal organization because I used to take photos of the fake mustache as a character I called Grumpy Pablo, which was based on Pablo Escobar and Narco season two specifically. And so now like they've been, I've been repeatedly getting shadow banned on Instagram because they don't, they can't take a joke and and I've written repeat appeals and stuff. So in theory, in some ways, I do like the thought of like, at least there no being no repercussions for freedom of of expression, because it is getting a little too um, like, how do I, how do I cater to make the bots happy to then make my content be seen to then hopefully build a following and, and all that stuff. I'm not going to do it on Twitter, but
2: I, first of all, I, I, I like, I don't want them taking down the anti-Semitic tweets. I like to know who, especially by famous people or prominent people. I, I I'd like to know. And then it's kind of, it's a kind of a little seeming contradiction that Twitter will take something off, take it down. And then every other media outlet in the country will report on what was said, like, if it's so terrible for us to hear it, the same reporters who think Twitter shouldn't have allowed it to be tweeted will then, you know, go on for hours reporting what it was that was on Twitter that shouldn't have been on. It's it just we can handle it. I think this is uh, all kind of ridiculous. But the, the, what is an issue to me is the fact that Parler ha- uh, was taken down. That there seems to be um, almost an antitrust issue when the app, when the Google Play Store and Amazon Web Services and Apple App Store together will form a barrier for other people to get into this market,
3: hmm.
2: this public square market, for lack of a better way to describe it, that concerns me. That concerns me way more than what Twitter does or doesn't do. Because the argument has always been, well, if you don't like it, start your own Twitter. But apparently that doesn't seem so easy to do now. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is a problem. That is a problem. But- and
1: I, I think Twitter, if it goes back to where it was, you know, it's the best way for breaking news. You find stuff right away. You get people to say it in uh, 140 uh, characters that are now 280 based on... Uh, Listen, opinion. they got too many things wrong. They were wrong about certain COVID things. They were wrong about
2: lab leak. They were wrong about Hunter Biden's laptop. They're wrong about uh, a host of other things. Um, which And they, they just proved the point of why f- the First Amendment is so vital because nobody knows what's true and what's not true. Uh,
1: the only way to find out is by letting people hash
2: it out, you know?
1: Yeah, and I like Twitter because people can follow you without knowing that you're hot or not, you know? So you don't have to <laughs> what's I like last? Instagram and TikTok. I follow so many people, I don't even know what they say. But in Twitter, I actually listen. All right. So call, um, I'll see secretly call 911
2: while in front of the intruder and spoke in code to the dispatcher to convey what was happening. Why are you here? Why are you, what what are you going to do to me? What's your so, comment? Oh, maybe he was his lover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now that you see well, the lines,
2: <laughs> listen. If you read that conspiracy piece, there are questions there. Which oh, you say, "Oh no, you know, there are questions there." Where you, where, if somebody put them to me, I would be like, "Well, doesn't he have any security? Isn't there alarm system? Why, why? was he? Why was they? They say he was in his underwear. Well, I guess he could have been sleeping in his underwear. I don't know this, but I'm. Sh- but why? And would he have And they should have had, he had a be, hammer. So, there certainly must be answers to these questions. The hammer, it seems to me, was Pelosi's hammer. That's the way it sort of reads. Um, I don't know. I I read. I I took a deep dive into the guy's blog before it got taken down, and he, he's, he has a he, he doesn't believe the moon landing happened. Is full of a uh, anti Jewish stuff. Jews are behind the Ukraine war. Jews are behind this. Um, uh, there was one election denial thing. Nothing really pro, I would say there was nothing pro-Trump. There was nothing about January 6th. But literally every conspiracy I've ever heard of, except for Paul is dead, um, was on that website. He's so a, a total crazy person, you know. Paul is dead. And and by the way, I, I think it's, you know, he's, he's charged with attempted murder. The guy who uh, showed up at Kavanaugh's house was also charged with attempted murder and there is something striking in the way these the difference in the way these two incidents have been covered. Yes, it's true that he Paul Pelosi was hit with a hammer, which does make it more dramatic, but I, I suspect even if he hadn't been injured that way, there was a downplaying of what happened in the Kavanaugh audiences. And I think what we are seeing is that the the hot temperature of rhetoric and anger out there does filter down, seep down to the crazies and is emboldening a certain level of violence. Um, It bothered me very much that Biden was calling out the Republicans about this guy. But as far as I could tell, only had his press secretary comment on the Kavanaugh thing that, that really almost, I have to say, like, I began to like feel hatred towards him uh, because I felt like, are you you at any point going to be the president of all the people Mm -hmm. that you have two really identical Incidents here. I mean, they're not identical because of a random thing. They caught the guy before he got into Kavanaugh. But he told the police, I came to kill Kavanaugh. He had guns, he had zip ties. As a matter of fact, we don't know that the guy came to kill uh Nancy Pelosi, but let's just assume it's true. Why? So now two incidents of people showing up to kill somebody, both charged with attempted murder. And the president truly only really seems outraged by one. And I don't think I'm being unfair to the guy. I think that's a fair interpretation of you look at what he how he reacted to one and how he reacted to the other. And that is fucking outrageous. I'm sorry. It's just not okay. It's just not okay. Never, never mind the fact that he would raise five points in the polls if he actually said what I'm saying and actually uh, handled it as a national problem rather than a
1: Republican problem. But he, that's, that's why this podcast that. is popular because we have podcasts for all the people. Thank you, no. I actually agree with you. That's a great point. Did you know that the guy who attacked Kavanaugh was charged with
2: attempted murder? Almost nope. nobody knew that. Nope. Attempted Absolutely. murder, same same charge as the Pelosi guy.
1: Why is it hard to have what a, a coincidence normal...
2: that we didn't hear about that? Then they're the, yeah. talking about
1: it. Shameful. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, this was uh amazing. Danny, you want to tell us what you're working on? Um as much as you can right now or
0: yeah, sure. I'm, uh, I mean, you can uh, see me on uh, NBC news. Now the new streaming, uh, platform offered by NBC news. Uh, you can get it on Peacock. It is really, really, uh, terrific content. Uh, I think I'm on one of the more recent datelines. So check that out. Uh, if you have the app and you can, or you can listen, uh, uh online, uh, and of course, MSNBC and CNBC, Shepard Smith show, um, uh, every other week or so or every week. And uh, that's pretty much it. Savalas Law on Twitter uh, for all you people going to the Greyhound bus station. And are you going to be
1: doing a talk somewhere soon?
0: I would love to. Look, I start a jury trial in Philadelphia on November 14th. So I am, uh, once that concludes, if it ever concludes I am totally at your service or before if we can squeeze it in. But uh, as you know, I love doing the talks at the cellar, the iconic cellar. Are you kidding me? Of course, I would love
1: to anytime. Nice. Uh, And you want to tell us about your trial right now a little bit? No, 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 no. He can't? He can't. <laughs> yeah, <we'll laughs> wait, you can't. You can't. We'll that. wait. We'll wait till afterward. Maybe I can tell you a little. It's then. very juicy. Very juicy. All right, Christiana, go ahead. Where people can find you and thinking
3: uh... of juicy. There we go. All right. Um, I'm on. Uh, I would say follow me on Instagram if if I'm not shadow banned for being sus- sus- suspended for not being a criminal. But um, my Instagram is incomparable. MSC. That's also my Twitter. Not much there. Um, I have a bunch of shows. I mean, I'm, I'm out pretty much every night, but I also have a bunch of shows coming up in the following week that are part of the New York comedy festival. That's going to be dope. All right. Uh, yeah. I, we also didn't say about Fetterman just
2: because, uh, Danny brought up, but, uh, I actually think that he's getting a bum rap. I mean, he, he, he didn't do well in the debate, but what is what does senators do exactly? They vote yes, they vote no. He's a vote. He's a vote for the. I mean, you can't you you can't have all the senators like that. It's like I can't have every light bulb out in theology Well, one light bulb being out is not going to kill business. Um, he's a vote for those policies. So if you support the Democratic agenda and and you don't want to see the Republicans take control of the Senate, you vote for Fetterman. Who cares if he's? Who cares if he knows? what he's even talking about. He's not hes not a governor. He's not making decisions. You know, he's not the mayor of New York out there, uh, Giuliani 9-11. Yeah. Danny, can I,
1: can I tell you a secret? You couldn't about have
2: Fetterman it? handling 9-11 for New York City, but you can have him voting yes and voting no. As I was said, Ted Kennedy did the job drunk for 30 years. Nobody knew the deal.
1: <laughs> Danny, can I tell you a secret about the seller? Because Norm sure. used a very interesting uh, thing. He said, one light bulb out is not going to kill the business. Do you, you see the sign behind Norm? Sure. You know what happened? If oh. he showed up and one light bulb was out, the whole staff will hear it. If one light bulb is Good.
0: Good. By the way, I love that. I love my favorite scene in casinos when he makes them put the exact number of blueberries in every That's muffin. Right. I like that kind of management, <laughs> No, You keep doing it. I love it. Well, because, because there's no limiting principle. I can't have a rule that says, Start changing light
2: bulbs when one light bulb is out. If they don't notice one, they're not going to notice 10. So so I have to jump on it. It's like, it's just like crime. I got to jump on it early. But the fact is, I know that one light bulb is not a threat to business, but it's insidious. It's death by a thousand cuts. And sooner or later, it does degrade business. And I,
0: I would argue, Noam, that no one needs to be more vigilant. Uh, and guard against people not taking uh, work seriously than the owner of a comedy club, because the business is about not taking things seriously. So therefore, <laughs> you must guard especially against people who are already inclined to not take things seriously. Yeah, well,
2: we All right.
1: take things well, very seriously. If you're around, Danny, come tomorrow. We will watch Gnome live on the Olive Tree, playing music. Oh. Christian, hey, well. I mean, I, tomorrow maybe. Tomorrow's Halloween. You don't definitely don't want to go to the village tomorrow, but uh, oh yeah, right. other Monday right oh, okay yeah all right well guys thank you very much live from america podcast comedy style I go make reservations Bye. see you guys soon Bye. thank you very much